we're back with So You Think You Know Sports. We do your weekly updates on the things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes UFC. This week, we are giving you the best of the XFL, and their draft is coming up uh, just this week. Zion Williamson's potential in the NBA and the side effects of Daniel Morey's tweet that has China upset, along with week six of the NFL. Uh, but before we start, I do want to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex and Muhammad say something for them. Hey, just want to say what's up to all our listeners. Uh, make sure you hit our subscribe button on the Apple Podcasts and also Spotify and wherever our podcast is available. It's all linked in Anchor. Um, and thank you for listening. Oh, yeah. Uh, press the subscribe. You won't have to remember uh, to know that you need that update. Uh, we will be giving you the best of the things that are going on. Uh, today, we begin with the XFL. The XFL is a, a, a side attraction to the NFL. It, many years ago, there was one season of a crazy league that was all about big hits, uh, Cheerleaders with short dresses and almost just everything that was wild about wanting for football. And the XFL didn't last, but that one year. But there is a reboot happening in the 2020 season, February 8th of 2020 season, uh, to be exact. Now, the XFL is going to have its draft October 15th and 16th, and it will consist of six teams. Sorry, eight teams that will be competing against each other throughout a 10-week season. Uh, Just to name out the teams here, and they're mostly, actually, nothing but major cities who have one. It's the Dallas Renegades, the St. Louis Battlehawks, the Houston Roughnecks, the Seattle Dragons, the Los Angeles Wildcats, Tampa Bay Vipers, New York Guardians and the DC Defenders. Now, a lot of former NFL players will be giving the XFL a try. Uh, the average salary for this reboot first season is going to be roughly 55000 And by December of 2020, they do want to make these players full employees. Uh, that That's kind of low, though, because the league minimum in the NFL is 495000 Uh as of 2019. But as I said, a lot of players in the NFL and from college will be trying to partake in the XFL. You had to opt in and about a thousand players have opted in to be a part of this draft. You do have to pass a background check, which is quite different uh, when it comes to these, what we know about the XFL. Well, XFL's championship uh, will be April 26th of 2020, six weeks after the NFL Super Bowl. And like I said before, it's going to be a 10-week season broadcasting on ABC, ESPN, Fox, and FS1. Quarterbacks will be picked first. After that, uh, it will break down into skill position, offensive line, D front seven, and defensive backs. Now, with all that information, I do have to ask, how bought in are you in the reboot, new reboot of the XFL? Really, um, I'm, I'm kind of excited about it, um, but I'm also hesitant, mainly because 
it doesn't seem like they have they they really have announced what time this draft is going to be. Um, there's still some missing details that we haven't got. And for the draft to be coming up this close, it's a little bit worrisome. I don't know if they have everything in order, but I think this uh, new league will have pretty good potential, maybe not to really challenge the NFL, um, maybe be that kind of like a, a G League, like how the NBA has the G League, the NFL has the XFL, which is the kind of minor league to the bigger league, um, yeah. which is pretty good for a lot of players. Um, but one thing that they should do is definitely increase that salary because that's playing for pennies, putting your body on the line. They they really need to increase that. Um, but I, I really like what they're doing. Hopefully that this can be long-term and last longer than the AAF. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that didn't last long either. But XFL, uh, definitely even shorter with that one year. Um, they actually ran out of money. Uh, but um, when it comes to the question on how bought I in am I with the XFL, well, I'm actually quite bought in. I'm, I'm quite bought in. They simply offer one statement where they said they put a whole lot more thought into this new uh, reboot, inauguration uh, season of the XFL. Um, so I am, I'm, I'm bought in and I, I do like the fact that these are in very populated cities. So there is room for fan bases to actually attach to. Um, so yeah, I, I say I'm quite bought in, uh, to the XFL so far, but that's even before the draft has happened. You're right. It has been a lot of mystery there. Yeah. They really need to clarify some things. Uh, when, whenever they say they put more thought into it. Why not announce more of this stuff? If you want your league to grow and be more accessible to people, you got to put your name out there and be very clear with your uh, with the details of your league. Um, but I, I'm going to be optimistic, and I, I see this league being something that can be uh, pretty good for everybody. Yeah, I, I think it will be a great in-between for the players who still want to play, but just don't make it when it comes to the NFL, uh, especially college players. I think that's actually the bigger market it's going to be for is for the college players who just don't have that size and that type of next level talent for the for the NFL, but can find their place in the XFL in these major cities. Um, also, but, I want to add in one thing mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. from what I read somewhere, they don't have to be like in college for a certain amount of years to be qualified to go into the XFL. Oh, even better thought, because I, I did not see uh, read that yet, but that would be uh, definitely a bigger um, catch to the XFL and really marketable if they drive that home. Uh, so I do ask, and you kind of got ahead of me on this one, because uh, I already had a question prepared, but could you see the XFL being a as big as the G League to the NBA, how the G League is to the NBA? Yeah, I could definitely see that if they do it right. They have to be very structured and be very transparent with how they do things. This The draft needs to be eventually broadcasted on TV, get one of these networks to broadcast a draft. I mean, a lot of people are interested in football, so they want to see this. They don't want to just look online. They want to see these people celebrating getting drafted. Um, but we'll have to work our way there. I, I, this is I don't uh, think just the first step. Yeah, I, I just don't think their bankroll is that big. It's already going to take a lot in general. 
uh, for the things they're trying to accomplish. And I just don't think they have the payroll for actually they may. You know, who, who doesn't have a camera? You can always switch over to, I, I guess, what the player sends you. Um, but I, I don't know whether they wanted to go, want to actually go that route. Um, now, when it comes to the, whether it can be as good as the G League is how it is to the NBA, it depends on relationships. And it really depends on the relationship between the NFL and the XFL. How committed are they, they, are they to, I guess, making money together, but it's not as much in it for the NFL as it is for the XFL, which may hinder uh, the, the process of them being on the same side. Yeah, that, that's a good point. But the the NFL, they they showed highlights of the AAF on their YouTube channel. So they were supportive of the, A, of the AAF whenever it was around, mainly because they probably didn't see it as much of a threat. And I see the XFL being that same thing, the G League to the NFL. And, and just to explain it to people what the AFL was, it was the Arena Football League. So no, 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 no. That, you mean AAF? Oh, the AAF. You're talking about the AAF or AAF? Yeah, the the one from this past year, the the league that ran out of money earlier this year. Oh, I was referring to earlier the XFL and how they ran out of money. Well, I guess that's a problem when you try to start an independent league. Yeah, that that is true. Um, and they probably don't have as much money. That's why they have to pay pennies to these players, uh, for the time being. Yeah, and I, I think it's very good that these are in major cities. So it, it really depends on how long the XFL lasts and how much the XF, sorry, the NFL wants to be attached in a way, name wise, with the XFL. Um, it, 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 I think it deals with longevity with this one. But um, with this being their real first season, only going one season uh, before, do you feel that this league will last in the long run? And do you think that they thought through, thought it through better this time around? Um, I can only hope that it lasts. Really, there's nothing pointing towards them saying this will be uh, a long-term thing. Right now, everything is questionable, and um, we just have to see how this stuff plays out. I think the XFL needs to take some pointers from the NFL, see how they are constructed, and build on that, make things better for the XFL that's probably not looked at as a good light. In the NFL. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I I just don't know how long the XFL is going to last. Uh, that really depends on marketability, uh, a need and talent. Uh, it, it's it's a there's a list of things that would need to be checked off on how long they would actually last. Now, um, if they thought it through better this time? I do think that. I do think they considered as many things as possible, especially in the world of analytics. Uh, so I think starting off and only having eight teams, because I'm not sure how many teams they had before, but let it, it mean eight teams in major cities, I think that really does bump up the likelihood that people 
actually watch the, these games. Yeah, and them being broadcasted on uh, bigger uh, networks will definitely help. Yeah, that definitely uh, helps out the contracts they've uh, built with these uh, companies, which is going to be Fox, FS1, uh, ESPN, and uh, I'm not exactly sure what the other one was, but it's, it's these are major uh, broadcasting stations. So are the team names catchy enough to build a real fan base? Um, really, it, it takes time. It, it really takes time because really, if you look at some of the leagues, some of the team names for the NFL, I mean, I wouldn't say they're all that great, but over time, people get used to it and it, they're attracted to it. Like, for example, the Pelicans, that was a terrible name when I first heard it and it still is, but I've grown to, um, not like it, but I've gotten used to it. The New Orleans Pelicans. I, I thought that was a terrible name for a team. Yeah, and I, I agree on that. Uh, along with um, it taking time for people to be to build that fan base, where I think they may get the most success, and if they have a great team, they can actually take over a, a good a good fan base. They're not going to take over the NFL, but they're going to take over a good fan base if it's DC and the DC Defenders. Because the Redskins are absolutely horrible, and D.C. as a city needs something to cheer for. I think that's where they get the most success. Uh, the New York um, Guardians, I don't see that really going through, even with the Tampa Bay Vipers, not really. L.A. Wildcats, it's already two teams that have came to L.A., so that's uh, taking away the nostalgia of having a football, a professional football team in uh, L.A., Seattle Dragons, mm, it's just going to be a little too similar to the Seahawks for some reason, just by colors. Uh, so I, I just don't see the fan base building there. You have the Houston Roughnecks, which they may have, have a chance there. They may have a chance of people actually uh, attaching in Houston, even though they're the Texans. Uh, they may have a chance. And you have the St. Louis Battlehawks. Mm, that's a that's a flip of a coin for me, too. And then you have the Dallas Renegades, which simply because Texas is big enough, and the name of the XFL may draw people in. They may get at least some type of fan base. Not a loyal fan base, but a fan base. Yeah, but I, I like that name, the Dallas Renegade. I, that kind of draws me in, that, that name. Yeah, so, so out, of best, out of all of them, though, I would agree that's probably the best uh, nickname out of all of them. And their logo is pretty uh, nice, too, because it's like a, a cowboy with a bandana over his face. It just seems cool all around from what I uh, saw. Um, but for the last question about the XFL, is the XFL still the best option for Antonio Brown? Right now, I think the best option for Antonio Brown is to get his life together so he can enter back into the NFL because it, he just seems like the same person acting out and thinking that he is in the right, which in a very small amount of things, he's been right. But mostly he's been wrong. He's really look at himself in the mirror and see what he needs to change about himself before he starts going to another league, because the same result is going to happen. Well, I... I was, you know, I was really gung ho for this being the best option for Antonio Brown until I saw the salary. 
No. <laughs> Simply because of the salary alone is not going to be enough for Antonio Brown, not even a little bit. Uh, like, like he probably spends that within two months. I like I I can think I'm actually pretty confident in thinking that he would probably spend fifty five thousand in two months. Uh, that, he just seems like that type of person, somebody who's just reckless about their money. Um, so no, I don't think it's his best option. But honestly, I think his best option is the Patriots and him uh, him trying to make peace with the Patriots and say, hey, you're gonna eventually have to pay me. Uh, might as well use me. And I actually think that's his best option because after a while, if he doesn't get convicted for things, for actual things, why is he kicked out the league? Well, he's kicked out of the league because of integrity to the game. Um, it's just a bad look, the attention that he brought to the team. And while he was with the Patriots, he was sending threatening texts to, I think it was his trainer about the whole situation. So it, it was just a really bad look for him and the team. Yeah, it was a bad look for the NFL, which has blackballed him uh, because of it. Um, but I think all he needs to do is stay quiet enough, and he'll be back on the team before the end of this year. No, I, I don't see that happening. Not at all. I, it, it's possible. I, I think because when it comes to talent, the NFL is not very uh, moral, morally or morally right when it comes to selecting certain players, even though they've done things wrong. As long as it's not enough heat on the name of the NFL, they will definitely take them on. But the only way I see that happening is if this case gets settled before the season ends. But if that doesn't happen, then nobody's going to touch him. Nobody's touching him with that hope that with that over his head. They need to have that cleared and out of the way before they make an investment in him. I I agree. Uh, but it is a lot of time still left on the clock for him. So if it does get settled and nothing really does happen, there's a possibility that he's quiet enough for long enough that people won't make as much of a big deal once he's on a team and they're really just ready to see him play. I honestly think he would mess up any situation anyway, but that's his best option. <laughs> but so I do agree. Um, but we're moving on to Zion Williamson. And guess what? The biggest name in basketball for the past three years has not been LeBron James. It has been Zion Williamson as the heir apparent. Now, his name has brought a lot of attention, even though. This is his first season in the actual NBA, being drafted to the New Orleans Pelicans. With all eyes focused on him, he hasn't disappointed this preseason. Now, he's been in three games. These three games against the Atlanta Hawks, the Chicago Bulls, and the Utah Jazz. In that first game, within 20, with playing 27 minutes, he has 16 points and seven rebounds, which is very respectable and which many, many people kind of expect, a baseline expectation of him. But he took off a little bit more uh, into superstardom once he played against the Chicago Bulls for 26 minutes with 29 points in those 26 minutes, four rebounds and going 12 for 13 on his field goal percentage. Very great. And then 
clearly showing out against the Utah Jazz in 23 minutes, scoring 26 points, five rebounds, one three-pointer, and goes nine for 12. Showing so far that he can be a productive player in the NBA. Now, with all this, all the lights on Zion to be great, will he live up to the hype? This is a whole bunch of hype. This is a, a lot of hype. I think he'll live up to most of it, but not all of it. There's just so much hype. Everybody's just looking for him to fail. You need to improve your jumper. You need to do this. You need to do that. Um, he will do good his rookie year, um, as we can see throughout the preseason. But it's not going to be what people fully expect from him. I, The expectations are just too sky high for him. I, I really don't see him surpassing those or even reaching them. Um, he's probably the biggest prospect since LeBron James, and everybody is looking for him to take over the league like LeBron James did, being the number one overall pick coming out of high school. But it's just not going to happen for him. But he will do well. Yeah, I, I think he will live up to the hype. He's shown a lot uh, in these preseason games. He's shown he can handle the ball. He's shown he has hops like Vince Carter and Blake Griffin, which are uh, the upper echelons of dunkers. He's even shown the one time he attempted a three that he's going to hit the bottom of the net. I'm not saying he's going to be Kevin Durant out here shooting threes, but it shows that he's not afraid to take the right shots. And it also shows that he he's he's going to be known as a finisher. Yeah, um, he's a very good finisher, especially around the rim. Um, he he had a pretty good play against Rudy Gobert, one of the def- defensive players of the league. He just played all around really well. Um, but it's kind of just like LeBron James. If there's not one thing that he gets, there's a there's a problem. There's always going to be a problem that somebody's going to have with him. He needs to improve this or that. But I, I think he just he will do really well. The expectations are just too much right now. I think. Yeah, that spotlight is hot. LeBron knows he's he's built for it. And I think I wasn't fully bought in that he was going to be able to survive within that type of heat for such a long time. But he's showing me that he's an adaptable human in general, like dealing with media, uh, dealing with balancing the off the court and the on the court. Sometimes that those two don't mix. Sometimes they just don't are never very well rounded on both sides. And I think Zion has that personality for the media and also shows and constantly surprise you. When it comes to basketball, every time he does certain things, it's just it's a surprise. He's constantly surprising. So I, I would say, yeah, I think he will live up to the hype that he has in front of him. And just from like being like a little bit older um, or at least being a teenager, being a teenager when LeBron was uh, his hype was around. I still think LeBron's hype was more. I think this hype is a lot. It's definitely a lot for Zion, but yeah, LeBron's hype was just a little bit more. Really, it's well. I, I know I don't. I can't really tell the full experience of that, but 
the hype for Zion Williamson is just out of this world because social media just gives so many people a platform to give their opinion. It's just so many expectations. Uh, I know LeBron, he had a whole bunch of expectations, but so, not as many people were able to give their opinion out there. So do you expect more than two rings from Zion in his career? Um, well, I was really just looking at this upcoming season. I was looking yeah, to the future. But yeah, um, but, he, he has to win at least one ring, I, I say. At least yeah, one. I know he has to have one ring, but what do you expect from him? Do you expect more than two rings from him in a career? I'd say just two. That's it. Okay. But going in, you expect more than two from LeBron, correct? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think see, that being the heir apparent to to Jordan and being compared how he would compare because Zion's not being compared to Jordan, not in any way. It's not being compared. It's he's being compared to to LeBron, yes, because LeBron is a different creature when it comes to body wise, and they they make this comparison. But he's not being compared to Jordan. Jordan is the quote unquote god of basketball. Even though I would, I think you really should be try, looking at Wilt Chamberlain, uh, and I'm definitely of, of the era of LeBron. But I, I think uh, when it came to hype, LeBron was being compared to Jordan, and if he came anything short of three rings, it would be a pure disappointment. Now, if Zion get three rings, he a great, he a great, great, great. Yeah, yeah, he he's one of the, I guess. Top 50, I mean, I don't know how much it'll change at that point. But he, he would be somewhere around there. Um, but with LeBron, was he exactly being compared to Michael Jordan whenever he first came into the league? Yes. Or, okay, because it, it just seems like there's just been more comparisons over these past five, six years than anything. No, because from the beginning they were saying – He's the next Jordan. He's better than Jordan because he has the size, because he has the, like, everything that he's had to prove throughout the, uh, like, like, that's why Skip Bayless has been on him from the beginning. Cause, because, like, that's actually exactly why he gets on LeBron. It's because of the media's hype, how large it was about him being something that he hadn't earned yet, that Skip Bayless felt very offended by being an extreme, uh, sorry, not LeBron, but, um, Jordan fan. He was like, this little guy, he hasn't done anything yet. Why are y'all even coming close to comparing him to Jordan? And that's why his whole beef is against uh, LeBron. That's that's where it comes from. But that is, um, that's understandable for him to say that. Because if you just come to it the is. league and saying you're better than LeBron, I mean, better than Michael Jordan, I mean, that's blasphemous. You haven't done anything yet. I agree, but it wasn't him saying it. It was the media. And he was a... Skip Bayless in general felt that his vibe, how LeBron came off, that he was acting as though he is. He would eventually be better than uh, Jordan, even though he really wasn't doing anything. He was just being himself and throw on the hype of the actual media circus that was around him. It was like it was like almost an, a unanimous uh, type of hype, a media wide that LeBron was going to be better than going to be Jordan. Or better than Jordan. That's the way that's the type of hype LeBron had on him coming into the league. And not to go too off topic, do you think he's lived up to the hype of being as good as Jordan or better? 
I think so far, yes, honestly. Even though he only has three rings, yes, simply the the things he's done and how he had to do it, and it, 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 there's a lot of variables. And I, of course, it's going to come off extremely biased on my side anyway. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he does. But I think his last piece will be have to be getting this ring with LA, at least one, one more, and he's good. And then he will be crowned the best. Yeah, I, I think I think with four, he would be crowned that. Only because he gets excuses for at least three championships. Because <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna tell you why. I know I know we're way off sub, subject here, but I'm gonna tell you exactly why. Because the first one he was in, he was against. He was very young. He was three years into the league. He should have never even gone to the uh, to the. Um, to the finals that year. But he went. So no, 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 you no, don't no, receive an excuse. No, no. Listen, you gotta listen. You gotta listen. Just he he was just that great. He was just that great that he he plowed and, and did his work to get Cleveland to the championship through the East. But he was facing the great Spurs. The great, great Spurs. And he he had no chance there. So that that's an excuse simply because it was not his time. That's like if Giannis got there and lost to Golden State, it's not your time. Um, it's nothing against you. You just, it's not your time. Now, uh, he gets an excuse for the one where Kevin Love and um, Kyrie was hurt in Cleveland, his second trip to Cleveland. He gets an excuse for that, I, I just personally think. And okay. now, I, it's going to be hard on the third one. I like it. That's only objective on the third one. But I think he should get more of a blaming off of him for the last season in Cleveland when he went because he was just that amazing that year. He had an amazing season, but not enough to overweigh not having other players. He was just great that year. I can give him more of an excuse for the last year in Cleveland than I can the first year back in Cleveland. Um but I noticed that you overlooked that one year in Miami, the first year. No, no, you, you don't get you no just, excuse. You, you, can, you get, can't live that down. There is no down. excuse. But that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm saying. There is no excuse for that. That's why I said he's, that's not one of the ones you get an excuse for. But that, that's a huge strike. Like, that, that's, yes. that's, that's huge. He should have never lost that. I, I completely agree. I don't never disagree with anybody who says he should have never lost. That time... Him being in the lead that amount of time, the talent they had on Miami, they should have never lost to the Dallas Mavericks. Now, if you go back and you look at the stats and everything, Dirk was absolutely amazing. I think he was about 84% from the field, uh, which is amazing for a uh, series. He almost had to shoot perfect. But, LeBron, you still can't lose that one. So, yes, I agree. He should have. He don't get no excuse for that championship. Yeah, that it was a... Terrible, terrible look for his career. Um, but he's bounced yeah. back from that. Yes, yes. I think uh, his his crowning piece will be winning one in L.A. And if he gets two, it's just more icing on the cake. Um, but no, um, I, mean, he, I think he needs at least two. That's not icing on the cake. I think it is because you win in three franchises. Uh, you you come to the Lakers and you bring them a championship, just like you brought. Uh, Cleveland, the championship. Now, the Miami one is arguable between organization and things and just roster. But mm, I, I say you, it's icing on the cake if you get two. 
One, he really only needs one. No, I, I think he needs two. Um, I, I think the 2016 finals was probably his best crowning achievement. Um, this, these Laker ones, I mean, they, they'll count, but it's, I don't know if it's really enough. Mm, that's why I really want him to win three, but uh, just to move to the next question. Uh, how much of an effect do you think Zion is going to have on a team compared to LeBron's uh, effort, sorry, his effect on the team? I think they can both, well, really, I think Zion Williamson will have probably just as much effect on the New Orleans Pelicans as LeBron James, potentially. Maybe not currently, but potentially. I, I think he will be that type of player where if he's on the team, they have a chance to make the playoffs every single year and be one of the top teams in the West or whatever team he ends up going on. He has great, pr- pretty good uh, vision on the court, and he's a great passer. Um, he has the potential to go out and shoot threes at times whenever he's open, and he's a great finisher around the rim. Um, which are all pretty much the things that LeBron does. So I I think he will be a, a very good player, and he will be able to lead his team to championships just like LeBron did. I, I, so I, I heard that S. I heard that S on championships. So yeah, yeah. I, I hear I hear your your expectations is about two champions for championships yeah, yeah, two, for him, two. and that'll be a successful. Uh, um, Career, which I, I think I agree. If he gets two, and I, he doesn't need more than that. If he gets three, he gets put up there. Like he he gets in the LeBron conversation if he gets to three, simply because he doesn't have to be the same player to be considered a great. Uh, but it, it, it's a packed little area because it constantly keeps bumping out Kobe. Um, but to answer the question. How much of an effect do I think Zion has on the team compared to LeBron's uh, effect on the team? I think, yeah, I, I completely agree. They have about the same type of effect. Zion is a whole lot more multi-talented than it's broadcast. What's broadcast is big dunks, um, highly athletic plays. It's it's reminisce, reminisce of LeBron. We the only difference is we don't see they don't play the same position. They simply don't play the same position, uh, which is it's not a far off position. And this is it is becoming a positionless uh, league. He is a power forward where LeBron is a small forward, even though he's bigger. He just plays a bigger as a bigger person in a smaller position. Then these positions aren't far off. So. We don't see Zion as a ball hand, handler when we completely see LeBron as a ball hand, handler. And I think that's where the separation of thinking exists. But when it comes to the effect they both give off to a team, I think it's actually about equal. Yeah, it is about equal as far as their effect on their team, their teammates. I, I think both players bring that energy that um, can really spark a team and inspire them to play well and um, build that chemistry, and I think both players will uh, be huge centerpieces. Well, well, Zion Williamson going forward will be huge centerpiece um, in championships. Yeah, I, I think 
he is going to be great for the future of the NBA. And it's it's great that there's not going to need to be a lull or a period of non-extreme greatness in a league. Like, even though there were really, 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 really great players that exist between Jordan and LeBron, but mostly we see that as a gap. We At best, we fill it in with Shaq or we fill it in with Kobe. Uh, it's just not other players that fill that gap, just personally, from what my, I perceive it to be. Um, so, yeah, it would be great for him to actually be a good heir apparent to LeBron when he is becoming ushered out of the league. Um, but I, the last question about Zion here, uh, what are – realistic expectations for Zion's first season without it being a disappointment? I think realistic expectations look like uh, averaging 20 points, about seven rebounds and five assists, and leading his team to probably, I would say, the eighth seed in the playoffs. I know the West is very stacked. There's a whole bunch of duos going on in the league, especially on the Western Conference. But I think they will be good enough to win uh, win enough games to get that eighth place in the Western Conference. Yeah, I, I can agree. I, I think I, I think he could even get the nine spot and it not be a disappointing uh, year for him. He's just set up for success, as we covered before. He's he's covered with a good amount of mix of players, veterans, and. Uh, up-and-coming players, players that have been there in the league for about three years, four years, just under it. And all around, their team looks very good as a New Orleans Pelicans team. Um, it's actually, I think, one of the best teams built for the future. Future without LeBron and super teams and things like that. Without the current row of great players. Because I, I actually think there's a gap. Because I've had this discussion with someone else. Uh, but I think there's a gap between foreign-born players and American-born players right now in talent. I think the up-and-comings are actually very much in the uh, not-born-in-U.S. box. The ones that are in the U.S., who got born in the U.S., are at best above average. Because to name a few, I would say what Tatum, uh, Brown, what some other – up and coming because I'm not counting Willard. He he pushes into the later period uh, of players. Is can you name any American-born uh, players right now who are just the be- one of the best in the NBA? Who's not pushing thirty? Who's not who's l- younger than twenty-seven? I would say Donovan Mitchell, um, Anthony Davis, of course, uh, and. I think that's it for right now that I can think of. Yeah, but when you look at the foreign side, that box opens up. Uh, If you look at, of course, Giannis, uh, you got, uh, what's the, the, Nokic uh, on the Denver side? Yusef Nurkic? Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's on on, uh, Portland. Portland. I'm thinking about the, uh, the Nuggets player. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of his name right now. I think it's Nico, Nicholas. Oh, uh, something like that. Well, uh, they they know who it is. Uh, but then you got um, um, 
not Dirk. I keep thinking Luka Doncic. Yeah, Luke. Yeah, Luka Doncic. You got the unicorn uh, down there too. You you have foreign born players who are like great greats. Right? They're not great greats, but their talents has great potential. Absolutely great potential to where you would think there are all stars going forward. It's very empty on the American born side. I just think right now, and there's a gap. It be gr- it would be great. If Zion does fill that slot for the next phenom in the NBA and it doesn't become a more, I guess that's just my patriotism to my country, but I would like us to be the leaders and the best players in the NBA. Yeah, definitely, because that's been the history of the league. And if you see all these other players from all over the world getting better, then the U.S. FIBA world team. World Cup team will uh, they they will go downhill. Yeah, completely. I, I, I that's where I think it is. That would actually that is where that conversation came from. Uh, where I was saying this is actually going to be more of the same. Where these uh, World Cup teams are going to just start losing because our our build up for talent, transcendent talent, is kind of low. When it comes to the uh, NBA right now, it's not that there's not great talent in the NBA. They're just not more American born players. Yeah, um, I, I think the NBA probably has a um, a foreign problem. <laughs> yeah, they, they do have a foreign problem, which is the perfect segue to our next uh, subject, which is Daryl Morey's uh, Daryl Morey's and China's issue with his tweet. Now, recently, the NBA kicked off a big partnership with China to be to have NBA games broadcast and played on their territory as the actual country of China. And this is a big area. We kind of think of it as uh, all in one, like we think people probably think of the of America. But China is a big area, but it's completely controlled by their government. Now, everything has reached a halt after Daryl Morey's tweet in support of protests against China's dictator rule over their country. Anti-government tweet has really put him in some hot water. And it has had a disastrous effect on the whole U.S. relations with China at this time. Now, Chinese companies are pulling out of pulling ads and contracts that exist with current NBA players and teams. China no longer sells Rockets gear as they were the most popular NBA team overseas in China. So I ask, with how much this has damaged relations uh, between China and the NBA, do you think Daryl Morey should be held accountable for his tweet. Wow, that's a really sticky situation because it would limit freedom of speech in America for him to say that. He he didn't say anything that was, I guess, bad integrity to the game, but it was controversial because it included another country's beliefs and government uh, policies. I think the NBA should probably fine him for his his tweets because his tweets weren't really necessary there was no reason for him to go out and 
say what he said, but he wasn't completely wrong. I, I think the NBA should probably take the approach of just fining him, maybe give him something like a ten, fifteen thousand dollar fine, and move on from there and try to get back there or try to build up their relations again with uh, the Chinese basketball leagues. Yeah, and to answer whether he should be accountable for his tweet, held accountable. In the beginning, I was saying no, because I'm on the side that he's us. But you kind of have to look at this from an outside perspective as though you were neutral. And being neutral, yes, he should be held accountable just due to the residual effects of what happened. Something that not everybody else did. Like, he's literally the only person who did it out of thousands of people who could have done it, who were in position to do it. There's other GMs in the league. There's other players in the league. There's there's many of people who are versed in knowing that there's an anti-government uh, situation going on in China, and some that even saw it when they went to China just a week ago. But he's the only one who did something, which... I guess it's supposed to show uh, courage and support, but that is an American moral. Uh, yeah, moral. And I think he got confused on what he his position was and the things he's supposed to be doing. So, yes, I, I do think he should be uh, held accountable. So, yes, I, I agree he should be fined, but I also think he should be suspended. But in the end, I still think it's nothing's really going to be enough to actually satisfy Chinese officials to feel that there was something appropriately done for what he actually did. I think uh, suspension is that's that's pretty extreme. I know the residual effect of him uh, tweeting those words out was huge, but suspending him. Uh, I mean, what type of suspension? would this call for like I honestly, like what can he not do like, really <laughs> it's hard it's very this is a really hard one because honestly i don't think anything they do would be enough like nothing less than killing him i think <laughs> wouldn't be enough like honestly i'm really like being full frontal honest i think that's the only solution that would actually make china happy in this situation and be like all right you know what we can kick everything back off and nothing's wrong I honestly think that's the only solution, but that's not logical. I'm not saying to do that in any way at all, but I only think that's the only way. Um, so suspending him would be a gesture that may be bargained on. That's the only reason why I think suspension and half a season and somebody kind of like kind of weighing it on that he's a big pivotal part to their franchise and simply because you suspended him from the facility and contact for half a year that he he's been that was enough punishment that's the only thing you can bargain on that's the only reason why i think that should be done because finding him they're not they're not even gonna think about that money because any money that you're looking at saying you find him would be too little compared to the chinese chinese government yeah but also at this point, I don't think that they will do much of anything unless he goes out and says something else, because the commissioner has kind of backed his words in a way. He hasn't completely said that Daryl Morey was wrong. So really, it's kind of like double jeopardy. You can't go and try to try him twice 
even though you've already been in support of him. Yeah. So, so what do you think the league's next best move is? Uh, just to quietly tell him to shut up behind but closed he, doors. Well, he's deleted his tweet. He's not said anything else. He has not been in the media at all. Uh, like not even a little bit. The only thing that came out is something that was done before things came out. Nothing after that, uh, the point of it coming out because it happened in such a fast fashion. Like he, he just, he tweeted a symbol, uh, this, that supports anti-government. Within 24 hours, he had that, uh, retracted and deleted and everything was already out there. And this is all with the fact that China as a country does not have access to Twitter. Well, um, I guess he should, um, really, I guess the work has been done. They have behind closed doors told him to delete your tweet, settle down, stay behind closed doors, don't say anything. And they're just waiting to see if they can build back their relations with the Chinese government and Chinese basketball association. Well, that was really the franchise. That wasn't the NBA. The franchise was already talking within 24 hours of possibly letting him go which is an outrage as an American when you think on our side of things. How, why couldn't he say something? Why is it that we're just throwing him out of the wolves just because it's the Chinese and that's the catch-22 about the whole situation? We can't say that we don't support him because, in general, pretty much the majority of America, Americans believe he has that right uh, to express it. But then you got the Chinese who... It's, it's clearly understandable, but the NBA, they, they have to back him and also not back him at the exact same time because they have to show a, a, a show of force for the Chinese and there's no way to actually do it. So since a lot of the Americans in Chinese, China's morals do not line up, do you see China putting aside the differences for the money aspect? I, I don't think so. I think China... They want to stand their ground and just not change. They want to be able to do two things at once, still be that type of government and be uh, an open market for other countries to come in and show their product out to their citizens. So I, I really don't see the Chinese government really changing. I I agree. Like I said, I think it's nothing short of actually killing him would, would actually satisfy them, which is completely only just saying what they would want, not saying what should happen in any way. Um, so I, I don't think they put it aside for the money aspects due to the fact that America owes China. They're in debt to China. If we're talking in the worldly sense. So and they are going to show their force. They're, they're, they are, even though they are dictators, they are quite unified on their dictatorship. They have actual companies, car companies. They affect every aspect of contact between their citizens and the rest of the world. And simply off of them putting out an APB that, hey, we do not, we don't F with America right now. Everybody like, hey, I'm off the market. I can't deal with you. I don't care how much money we make together. Yeah, so uh, China, they are in the driver's seat right now, so they 
will be the big deciding factor going forward from here. Yeah. So last question, uh, what effect do you see this having on the players as this new market may be closing soon? I think this will have a big effect on um, specific players, mainly some players that have, I think, Chinese endorsements and shoes that they have from companies that are uh, based in China, and they will lose out on some of that money. Really? Actually, it'll be a whole NBA um, effect. The whole NBA will be affected. A lot of players will lose out on money and the projection of goodwill from the NBA. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is going to really affect the players and the entire league. Um, this is one reason why I think he should be held accountable of his actions, even though our faith is he was right by doing it. It's simply because you work for somebody. And when working for somebody, there's etiquette to what you don't do and what you do do, even if it's not written down. And this is something he should have thought through. Like, he's not a young person. He didn't have Twitter fingers like like Trump and just needed to get it out. It just it wasn't that type of situation. So he had to put some type of thought into expressing his belief on that side. Now, when you're directly dealing, maybe he doesn't know worldly affairs. Maybe for some reason he does not know that China affects every uh, aspect of their country. Maybe that's that's the only excuse, and that's still ignorance that he should not have. Really, he should have left it alone. There was no reason for him to say that. And now he's affected the whole league with their money and his money. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he doesn't get another. That'd be sad. And I know that's like it's really feeling like that's going overboard. But I don't think he gets another job from from unless he gets his way through this with the Rockets. He won't get another job simply be due to the worldly effect that happened from something so small. And when it comes to the players, players like uh, Clay Thompson, they, those are the type of players that are going to be affected by this because there's been multiple seasons, like three, the past three or four seasons where these players are going to China, feeling very comfortable, feeling the, the crowd love and everything and has been building deals with these companies. Uh, even to come there to play basketball and be greats like uh, Stefan Marbury. He's Jordan in China. He literally, like, if you look it up, they treat him as though he's Jordan because he was just that great in their league when he came there. Um, so just something to close off, I say the players are completely affected by this because this is now a smaller world. Now, there's another subject with Daryl Morey. Uh, recently, LeBron... And the rest of the NBA that was in China has gotten back to U.S. soil. So there was a brief moment where a lot of the NBA or the, the pivotal people who were in China could not respond. Well, in preseason game where the Lakers played against the Golden State Warriors again, uh, LeBron was confronted by media before the game. And it made big, really, really big news because he decided to speak out about Daryl Morey's tweet, which a lot of people have been really 
gravitating away from because it just seems to be toxic. Now, LeBron's comments made really, really, really big news, and it's getting a lot of backlash very quickly. Uh, Even within a few minutes after he stated that, uh, and they were still within that preseason game. But LeBron's comments while in front of the media was, I believe, uh, referring to, uh, I believe he, referring to Daryl Morey, uh, wasn't educated on the situation at hand, and he spoke. And that's a short version of what he said. Um, well, LeBron was quick, very quick to retract those statements. Not really retract, but to clarify on those statements through Twitter. He says, uh, to clear the confusion up surrounding earlier comments about Maury's Hong Kong tweet, let me clear up the confusion. I do not believe there was any consideration for the for the consequence and ramifications of the tweet. I'm not discussing the substance. Others can talk about that. And then follows that with one more tweet with my team and this league just went through a difficult week. I think people need to understand what a tweet or statement can do to others. And I believe nobody stopped and considered what would happen. Could have waited a week to send it. Now, LeBron, he, he reached out to clear things up, but has had an extremely quick backlash against somebody who's really favorited in the community of the media and the public eye. Because uh, he's done a lot of great things. Um, but the backlash has reached even as far to China. Uh, there has been already videos of protesters in China putting LeBron's face on uh, statues and burn, even burning his jersey in China already. This is outrageous. So quick. Uh, this just happened last night um, on Tuesday. Actually, sorry, that was on Monday um, for this game. Um, but it, it, it's, it's crazy how fast this has caught fire. Um, people in the U.S. really don't agree with LeBron's point of view on this, and it, it's really look bad simply due to his comments. But I ask, was LeBron right by his comments about Daryl Morey's tweet? I think LeBron, he was correct in his uh, comments on Daryl Morey's tweet by saying that he wasn't well educated on the matter and he spoke out of turn. But he probably should have left it at that and just said he, he just spoke out of turn. He went into saying that he cost a lot of people money um, and it made a, it made bad relations with the NBA and Hong Kong and China and all of them. Um, he he should have just left it at there are more. He messed up and um, hopefully he moves on from that. But um, I, I think talking too much kind of led him down the wrong path. I completely agree on that. I think he should have never, never said anything. But and my first reaction to his comments was against LeBron, which is many people aren't on a rush to be against LeBron on things. We were quite biased uh, as a public. But <laughs> I, I had a back and forth on this one. I was I was against his comments because I was just thinking he he never needed to say anything. That's why I was against him uh, speaking and also saying that he uh, that Daryl Morey was 
wasn't educated about the situation he and he spoke because you really can't speak for Daryl Morey and also it's it's a little bit more attached to this but when I saw I kind of heard a, a different perspective which I think most people should really hear uh, about where LeBron was coming from because we're not really putting it into full view from his view they just came back from China and parts of his comments was it endangered safety. It endangered safety, money. Uh, I think he said their souls. Uh, no, he didn't really say. Uh, <laughs> he said something like that though, spiritually and uh, and psychologically. I think that was the all the comments he was saying uh, on that. But he he was feeling really. He felt that he really did need to speak as he spoke about other social issues people are viewing it is that oh you speak about all these other social issues but you don't ever uh and now you're telling them not to actually be a socially active uh i guess country and it's taking a lot of backlash but what you should look at is lebron was speaking up for the other players and i think he should have emphasized a whole lot more on the safety part of it when they were actually in China and he did this before a stint of time they were actually there. Yeah. Emphasize the safety, like you said, and just leave it at that. Don't try to um, make a whole monologue about it and then try to recorrect on Twitter. Cause the more you keep talking, it's just a slippery slope. People are just going to think more negatively. Uh, agreed. Uh, so um, at face value, it, does it look like LeBron is trying to save face to uh, for the entire NBA so that money can keep flowing from uh, a part, their partners in China? Or is this really him speaking how he really feels? How do you feel about it? I think he's really speaking from the heart. He, he's speaking from his perspective. Um, a part of it also may be speaking up for the other players, but really for himself. I think because like you said, he had just come from China and he's bombarded with these questions and LeBron, he's going to speak his mind uh, for the most part. He, he was given his perspective um, right after coming off uh, the, the preseason games from China. So it's really hard to collect all his thoughts after being um, just bombarded with these questions. Everybody wants to know what LeBron thinks 24 seven. And that's very true. And it's going to propose an even bigger question after uh, I also take a different point of view. Just to answer the question, I think he's really on the speaking, his his real feelings and is heavy on the safety and heavy actually on the money. Also, I don't think it's particularly about saving face. It's about the principle of the things, because Daryl Morey is employed by the NBA, just like players are uh, employed by the NBA. And if you view this tweet through a different lens, if one of these players, any one of the players, top to bottom, even if it's LeBron, and that tweet came out at that time and caused the same effect, they would reach a punishment from the NBA, simply because you created a a disconnect between a market that was really booming yeah um 
he really LeBron, he was speaking a lot of truth as far as uh, the safety concerns and uh, Daryl Morey messing with everybody's money. Um, it shouldn't always be about money because, I mean, he, he makes plenty of it. But you, you mess with the whole league's money, and this could potentially um, cause the NBA to lose relations with China. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So uh, to just kind of round it off on this question, uh, I mean, sorry, on this subject, I propose a bigger question overall. With today's increasing attention to athletes and their opinions on many different avenues other than the sport they are currently involved in or even just other sports, is it a curse now to be a superstar athlete or even any athlete that is being paid professionally and is in the public eye? Or and will this now build a uh, situation where players can't actually have social media at all? Well, I, I don't think it puts them in the light where they, they can't have social media at all. But whenever you are an athlete now, people look to you to have an opinion and have that voice and always be the right voice, the, the right thing to say. Um, and that's not always going to happen. Um, sometimes things slip up. I mean, nobody's perfect. And these players, they can't just be athletes. They, they have to uh, speak on these things. Um, you can't have it both ways. They have to perform well on the court as well as possible and also uh, speak their mind in the right way when it comes to these social problems and worldly problems. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think it is a heightened uh, attention to them. But I do think overall, I think athletes should be limited when it comes to their social media, just like they're limited on doing many other things, being in certain public places like clubs, strip clubs, um, just in, in different environments. They're restricted. So freedom to do as you please doesn't actually exist if people are taking that, uh, I guess, that argument or that uh, side of the art of the situation where they're saying, oh, players shouldn't be limited to this because they're grownups and they know how to control their own actions. I think they should just be a uniform rule on exactly what type of media, sorry, social media attention or things you put out. As far as social media, I'm pretty sure each team has their own rules. Each league has their own rules. So I'm not sure if there will ever be a universal thing when it comes to limitations on social media. But I feel like each team has different rules that limits their players to what they can post or uh, put out there. Okay, so that runs me back to the first question that was asked uh, about Darren Murray. Should he be held accountable for his actions since other players are held accountable by their actions? Yes, he definitely should be uh, held accountable for his words. Um, it was completely unnecessary for him to say that. Um, he caused a chain reaction, which has now put other people in a bad place. And he probably needs to, or I, I was saying earlier that he needs to be fined 
Um, but a suspension might actually be better. Um, suspension without pay. And I think you were mentioned earlier for half a year. I mean, I, yes, it's, it's pretty um, hefty, but it, it sends the message. Yeah, it's, it's seeming appropriate, appropriate uh, a punishment now, because as you think about it, I think people didn't get a chance to think into it. And it took a couple of days to see different point of views. One big point of view that really makes me feel like originally I thought, no, you shouldn't be penalized. No, he should have freedom of speech. Yeah, he was right by commenting that the pro, uh, the anti-government for China because they're dictators. I was all on that side. I was gung ho for America. But I thought about it. When has Daryl Morey ever tweeted about things that go on in the U.S.? Does he speak about anything that's going on in government? Does he speak about any tragedies that go on in America? Does he speak about uh, rallies and things that go on in America? So why did he feel the need to speak about something in China? I'm really not sure. Um, who, who knows what, what goes on in his mind? <laughs> yeah, I, I think he didn't think it was going to be this big of a deal, but it has become that. Uh, but I, I'm pretty sure there's more news to come about this, but we'll move on for this at least current moment. Uh, we move to the Monday night game, which a lot of Monday night games have not been that quite interesting. But this is a matchup of divisional uh, teams with the Detroit Lions and the Green Bay Packers. This came out to be a shootout. Uh, I'm re- referring to a shootout as an uh each person is pretty evenly uh, matched in this game, and it depends on who is standing last. Well, a lot went on in this the end of this part of this game, which has a lot of people in uproars about the refs. Once again, it is the refs. Uh, now, two hands-to-the-face penalties by a defensive player to an offensive lineman were called in the final drive uh, for the Packers, to then get in position to kick a three, sorry, a field goal to win the game by only one point. Without those penalties, it was not very likely at all that the Packers would have made it uh, that far or even won the game. So I asked, did the refs win the game for the Packers? And if so, what's the best solution for refs to start making the right calls since there has been so many uh many games decided by their flags. I think um, the refs played a part in the Packers winning, but that wasn't the complete reason why they won because the Detroit Lions allowed the Packers to stick around in that game. The Lions had multiple chances to put the Packers away. They just kept getting field goal after field goal. And uh, if you let a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers stick around, by the end of the game, he's going to lead his team to victory. Like, you, you can't give him that many chances without uh, him finally getting it in. Um, but the, the refs, they, they definitely helped. Um, those illegal hands to the face, were, they, they were illegal hands to his shoulder, really, because his hand was not on his face on both of those penalties. They... Uh, maybe the ref had a bad view of it, um, but even if you had a bad view, don't call it. Just just let it go. I, I don't. 
that that's the way you should uh, play that. And when it comes to penalizing refs, the NFL, they should make the refs full-time employees so they can suspend them for a certain amount of time. Uh, from my knowledge, I don't think they have any full-time referees. Uh, yeah, I, I think there may have been only a few so far. Uh, I, I'm kind of shaky on ref history. That's kind of rare to know. Uh, but I think it's maybe been about three uh, full-time refs before in the NFL, and that was like, you're, you're a top name. And, and if I, actually, at that point, you're probably closer to retirement as a ref than anywhere near the middle or the beginning of your career as a ref. Uh, as a, it's not like many people know the ref history in the NFL. Uh, but uh, to answer the question, I would say the refs won that game for the Packers. Not completely. No, if they were put in position to even get close, that's not a complete ref thing. But it's hard to say that they weren't the deciding factor when the Packers wouldn't even been in, would have not been in position to kick a field goal, which only created a one point win. Otherwise, it, Detroit was probably going to stop them there. Well, I mean, we. We leave that to assumption. Like we 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 think that might have happened. Um, the, the the refs they they definitely played a, a I would say a pretty good part in the Packers winning with those two awful penalties. But and they were it, it's very not, awful. Yeah, yeah, they, they were terrible. But that wasn't the only thing. The Lions allowed them to the Packers to stay in the game. That's what yeah. really um, hurt them. Yeah, but I, I think the Packers always kind of had a chance, even if they were down 10 in the last seven minutes, they're going to have a chance because they're the Packers. Uh, we don't really have much faith in the Detroit Lions. We're only realizing they're actually pretty good, but they just keep losing games. Uh, it's like they, they, they're just not closers right now. They couldn't close the game against the Cardinals the first game of the season, and they ended up tying the game, which is like, uh, forgive me for the, uh, yeah, forgive me for the phrase, but it's like kissing cousins. No, no, <laughs> you know, who wants a tie? It's not a, it's not a win. It's not a loss. What do you get from it? Not nothing at all. Uh, but, um, I, I, I would say that's just not what you want to do. But there, there are not closers right now. Um, so the, my point is Packers always kind of had a chance as long as they weren't down by more than 10 points in the last five minutes. Um, but the second half of that question, you probably didn't hear it, but what's the solution for refs to start making the right calls since so many games are being decided by their flags? Well, I, I was saying that they should penalize oh, them. Oh, cool. That is yeah. right. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, make them a full-time employee. Yeah, okay, I forgot about that. That was the uh, the solution you're saying. Well, I think my, the solution should be the uh, sky cam. I think the perception that the players, sorry, not the players, but the fans see on TV, that there should be a ref somewhere in the box who only views, not really only views, but majority views that view from up top. Because it just seems very obvious from the fans that they can see what's going on, what's what's not a call and what is a call. And that's where there's a miscommunication between what's going on in the, on the field and what the fans are seeing. And it's creating a, 
an uproar of people just disliking the people who actually keep the game going. Because if the refs quit, this is going to be a very sloppy game. Yeah, um, I, I see the Skycam thing being a, a pretty good solution, but not completely because it would really slow the game down, especially well, when it comes to just every single play, I think. Well, well no, I'm, just, I'm not saying you actually call every single play. You just you're like a regular ref. Uh, you just can see other point of views that the refs don't get to see on the field. Yeah, you you do that, but then when it comes to communicating that, um, there, there's there's always going to be a delay. I think they all have communication together, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but are you going to be in all the other refs' ear to say, yeah. throw, throw the flag here well, or there? Well, you can at That's least... That's a distraction. Uh, well, it could be something like, uh, it, it would seem kind of, it, it would add another loop to the game. But I don't think it would be less entertaining. Let's say the sky cam has a red, sorry, a yellow, a, a yellow light that, hey, just so happened nobody saw what happened, but the sky cam uh, ref saw it and he throws the flag. And at least they review it just like any other ref would review uh, any other flag that was thrown on the field. Where does he throw the flag from? Like, where is this flag coming from? He doesn't. That's why I say a light. So a yellow oh. light. <laughs> A yellow light on the on the sky cam, so it might create a little drama to the act uh, to the situation. Could you could you imagine all the refs missing the Saints play where they he he knocked him in the chest and it was clearly pass interference? Is like the most like I haven't seen any more worse pass interference than that ever. <laughs> but that and then out of nowhere, the sky cam person who saw it just like everybody else. Pulls like pulls it with the yellow light and everybody cheers. Well, when it comes to that play specifically in the NFC Championship game, I don't it's think they, no 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 I don't think they missed it. He just froze. They did not miss that. They saw it. They clearly saw it. They just didn't throw the flag. So they chose not to. So yeah yeah so that's what I think. So NFL six, and I'm playing. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm simply playing. I'm playing. <laughs> I mean, the Saints could have won that game before that if they just would have ran the ball in the first place. Yeah, we, everything does look better in hindsight. So we'll move uh, forward uh, towards uh, some other more interesting games. Not not interesting because it was such a great show. It's more interesting because of who lost. We're moving towards the Cowboys. The, cow- the same Cowboys who not too long ago within week three were 3-0 and and looking like great Super Bowl contenders. But they have had a recent loss in six- week six to the New York Jets. Cowboys were at home, which makes it even more ridiculous uh, of a situation. Um, it was actually at the I, Jets. Sorry about that. Yeah, I just looked at it. Sorry about that. That was at the Jets, but still not expected to lose this game with their starting quarterback being out for the first five weeks. Uh, Sam Donald. Not sorry, Sam Donald. Uh, that is right. Okay, yeah, sorry. Sam Donald um, with Mono. Uh, yeah, the kissing disease. I've got a little off track, but um, <laughs> a lot of things showed in that game uh, about the team and the state of the team. 
specifically looking at Jason Garrett, since the team is now going to be three and three after three straight losses. Uh, now, there's you may have seen the video where Jason Garrett is coming out to dap up his uh, team coming off the field and all the players intentionally walk right by him and makes him look I look stupid. So it makes you ask, has Jason Garrett, the head coach of the Cowboys, lost this team? And is this season now a wash or do you still or do they still have Super Bowl aspirations? Um, I think they can kind of lower those expectations a little bit. Um, their division is pretty weak. The only conversation they have legitimately is the Eagles. And if they win on Sunday, I mean, they're right back in first place and in a good spot with a game ahead of the Eagles. Um, but this was, was a terrible loss for the Cowboys. Um, this Jets team actually was what I was expecting going into the season. They have a pretty good defense and I would say an above average quarterback aspiring to be a great one. Um, but he was out for so long. And if just, just answering whether, uh, Jason Garrett has lost the team, I don't think he ever had the team. This is mm. Jerry Jones team. He is the assistant coach, uh, Jason Garrett. Whatever Jerry Jones says, that's what happens. Jason Garrett is overruled every single time. Um, and really, I don't think he deserves all the blame for this, this loss or just dropping these many games. Um, he, he definitely plays a part in it, but he doesn't make all the decisions. And that's where I think the problem lies. I agree that Jason Garrett is the assistant coach to Jerry Jones, even though he is the owner. It's whatever you need, boss. Where do you want it, boss? Uh, how, this is how you want the team run, boss? That just seems to be Jason Garrett. Um, uh, I think, yeah, he's lost this team. And I think at one time he had him. He had him only because he was anointed by Jerry Jones. He he really does love Jerry Jones. He loves him just like he liked uh, Tony Romo. To be real, they're almost family uh, when it comes to these uh, people, uh, along with Jason, not Jason Garrett, but um, Jason Witten. Uh, those are just like some people he keeps very close who are players and coaches. But I think he's Jerry Jones is in a hard position. Uh, Jason Garrett lost this team probably after the first loss, not even any deeper than that. He's already lost them because they've heard it before. And yeah, you should really lower their Super Bowl aspirations. I, I remember in the beginning you said a little bit. I don't know what a little bit is, but I think at best, from what I see now, they, they won't make it past one win in the uh, playoffs. I can agree with that. I, I mean, I didn't think they were going, going to be in the Super Bowl in the first place, but I thought they might make it to the NFC Championship game. Mm, I don't think they make it there. I think at best they win one, well, one game uh, because they're going to – I mean, I before think, the season. Yeah, sure. I think they end up winning the division by default, but it's just because the division is that horrible. Uh, so actually, I, I asked 
do you have still have faith that the Cowboys will win this division? Yes, I do because the Eagles' secondary, their defense is terrible, and they are really beat up on offense, and they can't consistently uh, get down the field. And at, I mean, the Cowboys—they just have a more reliable um, running back, and I would say an above-average quarterback. Dak Prescott—he's a very competent quarterback. Um, he plays well whenever he, he needs to. Um, he doesn't always come through, but he—he's he, a pretty good quarterback. Um, they have Amari Cooper at wide receiver, and Michael Gallup—he's pretty good receiver. So they—they they have weapons on offense to produce enough. And their defense hasn't played as good as it did last year, but it's good enough. And the Eagles, their their defense is trash. So I I trust the Cowboys more still, even though they they dropped these last three games. It's this is a game of default when thinking about this division. Like it really is a horrible division right now, just from what we've seen in the past in the first six weeks of the season. I, sad to say it, but I have more faith in the Giants winning this division than than the Eagles or the Cowboys. And that's just speaking to the ineptitude that's going on with their teams. The Giants just going to end up winning because they're not looking to win. Well, they they do have a fair chance to still win. Um, they they're not they're really they only one game behind. Yeah, no, no, no. You're right. You're completely right. Like this this. I think this division is going to constantly flip flop and we're it's going to take down to the last two weeks to even get an idea on who may win this division. I think it's just going to keep flip flopping and eventually somehow the Giants are going to end up on the top of that only through matchups, uh, who beat who, um, just just small things like I could see the Redskins winning against either the Eagles or the uh or the Cowboys and messing it up to where the Giants now jump ahead only because they did. They're only thinking about the singular game. They're thinking about just winning games in the future, winning games in the future of our quarterback. And somehow, some way they're going to end up one game above the other teams in that division, which is going to wipe the rest of the teams out of the whole playoffs and end up with them being in the playoffs, the Giants. I don't have confidence, but I'm just thinking if I'm, if I need to put confidence on somebody, I'm actually going to put it on the Giants because they're not looking to have these Super Bowl aspirations. I still have the most confidence in the Cowboys, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants come from behind and win this division because they're not too far behind right now. And they are getting Saquon Barkley back soon. Agreed. And, and, and they've, what I think maybe went fifty uh, percent for wins with them out, so that's definitely the best thing they could have. They, I think, I'm pretty sure they thought that they were going to lose every game without him. Yeah, um, they have, I guess, stayed even. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's what's going to end up happening. It's just going to be a whole lot of ineptitude, which is going to make the Giants end up with one more win than the rest of the teams. Uh, but we we can we move on uh, to the game that, that was in London, uh, the Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. Now uh, it, the big story, of course, is the Panthers. They have gone four and zero oh, oh, with Cam Newton, their starting quarterback for the past nine years, out 
for a while with uh with multiple injuries, not a lot, but uh just kind of healing up on surgeries and uh, a hurt foot. Now, uh this has been how Allen's team for the past four games. So I asked, is this now really Kyle Allen's team with four straight wins uh, with the Panthers or with Cam Newton's newly healed foot? Is he, should he look to be that starter now? I think people are calling for Kyle Allen to be the new starter, but I don't think he is the better choice. I think Cam Newton is still the better choice when it comes to the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. But Kyle Allen, he's doing, he's being serviceable. Um, really, all of the offense is being run through Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey is playing on another level. Like everything is centered around him. He's running, receiving, and sometimes passing. Um, Kyle Allen, he's, he's doing, he's doing good in his spot. Uh, they, they are undefeated since he's taken over. But let's not um, overrate him and say that he should start over Cam Newton. Yeah, I I would agree by talent stances, but the way Kyle Allen reads the plays, and I think this is about athleticism over knowledge. (laughs) It sounds bad. It sounds like Cam Newton doesn't know where to throw and stuff like that, and he doesn't know the plays. But I think he's definitely a a high-level quarterback. I just think that Kyle Allen's best characteristic is to read what's going on on the field and get it to the right place, a Tom Brady-type effect. Uh, It's not impressive throws. It's not in super impressive things. He may impress you in little spots, but in general, he's making the best reads. So, yes, I, I do think that Cam Newton should expect to be the starter. But if the Panthers are kind of smart, they they give it a, a little bit more time. Yeah, they give him the most time that he needs to heal. Don't rush Cam Newton back. Look, they said he, he's pretty healed now and will be able to be back after the Panthers bye week. This coming up. Well, they need to make sure he's 100 percent because you don't want to throw him out there. Um, but I, I think he should still be the starter when he comes back. Cam Newton, not Kyle Allen. Uh, uh, agreed. Newly today, the Broncos have shown interest in Cam Newton. So should the Panthers make Cam Newton available if they can get a great deal? It really depends on how good this deal is. Um, you can't let this get out. Like you, you can't let Cam Newton find out that you were shopping him, or it, or you, you really just have to get rid of him after that. But if you can get like RG three type of picks for Cam Newton, I say take it, take it. You, you have a serviceable quarterback for now, um, pretty good running back. And a very good defense. And you can load your team up with all those picks going forward. I actually think I agree. As much as I think Cam should be a starter, I'm very pro uh, Cam Newton. 
and even if he's expressing himself in many different weird clothing, uh, it, it, we all know it. Uh, but I say, yeah, I, I think that's a good move. Uh, I don't know what they particularly need. They may they may want some more defensive players, but it looks like all around, for the most part, they have a good team. But there's always room for more if you can get a lot for a possibly depreciating asset. Yeah, uh, why not sell high for them right now? Because this is probably the highest that you can get them for. And if you can get that RG3 type of picks, like what the Rams got for um, the Redskins trading up to get RG3, I'd say take it. Multiple first-round picks, second-round picks, and third-round picks. So we're moving further along with the 49ers and should be taken seriously. Uh, they won 20 to 7 against the Rams on Sunday, and that is a divisional match matchup as the Rams were just in the Super Bowl last year. So, are the 49ers really contenders, or are they pretenders? I think they are contenders for a spot in the playoffs. I wouldn't say the 49ers are. A playoff, oh no, not a Super Bowl contender. I, I would say they are probably uh, either a one and done, or they just win one playoff game and they lose there. I, I think they have a very good defense. Their defensive line really gets after people. Um, they have a very a very good running game. Um, I would say an above average quarterback. I know that's the thing that I like to say right now, but I think Jimmy Garoppolo is an above-average quarterback, but definitely not a great one. Um, he hasn't been exposed to too much, mainly because they've been playing pretty well on defense and their running game has been working. Um, but in the few times that he has played um, in these games, he's turned it over a few times where he shouldn't have. Uh, so I, I think... If they have to depend on Jimmy Garoppolo, then they won't be able to go too far. But that defense is definitely carrying them, along with the running game. I I completely agree. Their their best part about their team is their defense, followed by their offensive line, followed by their running back. The quarterback is about fifth on that list. And I think that's actually a really good thing for them. Because Jimmy Garoppolo can be really good, but if he's the fifth best part, you are kind of set up for a good success. Kind of like the Baltimore Ravens of the uh, type of rule. Just don't mess it up for us. We will get you. But I think it's going to make it extremely complicated in this division. Yeah, it does make it complicated, but I, I don't think he's that bad where he's like, just don't mess it up. He, he's better than that. Yeah, but. that's that's, a, that's what the positive <laughs> is. No, that's, that's exactly <laughs> why it's the positive, because he's the fifth best thing about their team, and he's really not as bad as uh, Hasselbeck was for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, um, but like you were saying, uh, this this division, I would say, is one of the best divisions in the league. They have... Uh, the Seahawks, where Russell Wilson is playing on another level, playing at an MVP caliber um, quarterback. And then the Rams, 
I don't think they're a bad team, even though they, they've looked bad in the past couple of weeks. Um, Jared Goff, he has, I would say he has regressed, mainly because he doesn't have Todd Gurley, and the offensive line isn't as stout as it used to be. So he's really getting exposed. He really needs those things to uh, be one of the uh, to perform at uh, to perform at a really high level. Um, but if they can just get those things worked out, the, the Rams will be okay. Um, but they're not as good as they were last year, and that that's really a three-headed monster. And the Cardinals, they have a pretty good offense. I mean, their defense is trash, but they. They can put up points. Completely agree. And now there's a new a new member to this division. It is Jalen Ramsey. As of today, on Tuesday, uh, they the they referring to the Jacksonville Jaguars has traded Jalen Ramsey to the Rams. So they're trying to gain back some of their dominance. So I ask, does this put the Rams over the edge? And if so, does that give you confidence they will win this division? I would say no. This does not put them over the edge. It it helps, but it's not good enough. I don't think the Rams are good enough on offense at this point. Um, I still think they will make the playoffs, uh, but they will be that wild card team because I think the Seahawks, they are probably a better team. Um, they don't have as good as a defense as the Rams, but they know how to make plays when they need to, along with Russell Wilson. Um, the 49ers, uh, I think they will probably split with the Rams going forward. Uh, they, they already beat the Rams once. Um, with the 49ers, I, I think they will have a pretty good season. Um, they, they'll be that surprise team that has a good record and maybe gets the second or third seed in the playoffs, but kind of loses in that first game in, in the playoffs. Um, so I, I see the Rams still being that third wild card team. Yeah. So uh, since most times three teams from one division don't make the playoffs together, who is the last man out out of the 49ers, the Seattle Seahawks and the St. Louis Rams? Well, this got like, yeah, like I was saying, it's the Rams. They will be the one that's pushed out in this. But I think their record will be good enough to make the playoffs, but just barely. Okay, yeah, because I, I thought you were saying they would still make the playoffs, but I got you. Um, yeah, so I think that's going to really suck for the Rams, uh, going from the Super Bowl to missing the entire playoffs. But like you were saying, Jared Goff and the rest, he's are just not built for that type of run again uh, in season-wise or playoff-wise. Um, but uh, we move along because we're going to get uh, we're getting closer to those questions uh, here, and this is a little bit longer of an episode, but there's a lot of great things uh, going on. There is the matchup between the possibly the best quarterbacks in the league, young quarterbacks in the league, with Sean Watson and the Texans and uh, Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs. Now, Texans came out on top of this 31 to 24. So does this prove that Deshaun Watson on an upside or still Patrick Mahomes? I think Patrick Mahomes is still 
probably just a little bit better. Um, but Deshaun Watson is the better big game quarterback. Deshaun Watson has played at the highest level in college. Um, he has yet to get to that point in the NFL, but I believe that he will one day get there. But when it comes to big games, Deshaun Watson, he shines. Anybody that is looked at as one of the higher caliber players or quarterbacks in the league, he always plays up to them. Um, especially like with, uh, with Tom Brady, the first time he ever played them, um, the, the Patriots, he was ridiculous. It, like, they were so close that the Texans, they were so close to winning that game. I, I, like, he played on another level. He was ridiculous in that game. Um, and also against the Saints earlier this season. Um, if it wasn't for his defense, he, he definitely would have won that game against the Saints in their dome. Um, Patrick Mahomes is still probably the better quarterback as far as end season, but Deshaun Watson is the better big game quarterback. Yeah, I, I can agree on that. I, if I was betting, I'm betting right down the middle. I'm putting money on both. I think both are great, great, great talents. Uh, actually, I think uh, Deshaun Watson, is, he reminds me of what uh, Vince Young should have been in the league. They're not the same body type, but I think that's what he should have been in this actual NFL league. He also reminds me of a character in Any Given Sunday, Mike Lowry. He, he does that as his persona. Uh, that's what he he gets. Even though it was a different type of personality, like Larry and the given Sunday, he just gives off that feel to me, that big time play ability uh, when it came to the storyline of Mike Larry quarterback in any given Sunday. I know that's off track, but I, I, I right now I still give it to Patrick Mahomes because it's hard to release having a MVP season and the things he's doing on the field. Yeah, but uh, Deshaun Watson, he he's the better big game quarterback. He 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 shines every time when he's going up against a bigger quarterback. Well, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Um, Patrick Mahomes, he he does too, but we haven't really seen him, I guess, at that level yet. We've seen him do it in the regular season, but nowhere in the postseason. Yeah. So who's doing more with less? Is it uh, Patrick Mahomes with a not great defense? Or is it Deshaun Watson with a not great offensive line? I, I think um, it's really kind of even because Patrick Mahomes, his defense is terrible. I mean, they, they want the worst in the league. Um, but he has great weapons on offense. The only thing he's missing is a running back. Uh, like, was it, uh, what's the guy that got suspended? Um, I don't know, I can't remember his name, but he went to the Browns. He's not eligible to play yet. Um, but they, they had a generational, well, maybe not generational, but they had a pretty good running back, um, before he got suspended. And as far as Deshaun Watson, I mean, he has a terrible offensive line, but he has, some very good weapons on offense as far as receiver. But as far as running back, it I think it's by committee. His defense isn't that great either. His his defense is okay. 
for the most part. I, I think Clowney makes them better, but not to the point where it puts them as far as a, a, a good defense. So I really think it's really split down the middle as far as who's doing more with less. I think it's Deshaun Watson because it directly affects him that he does not have a good offensive line. He gets hit more than any quarterback in the league right now. I think Cam Newton might be uh, one of the closest to him about um, getting hit uh, due to the offensive line always breaking down. Like you said, Texas' defense is only mediocre. So just by the fact that the Chiefs have an at least above average offensive line shows that Deshaun Watson has been doing less with more. Uh, more, sorry, more with less, especially since not a lot of people expect him to, to succeed, and he keeps doing it every Sunday. Not every Sunday, but he keeps showing he can do it every Sunday. Yeah, but he does have one of the best receivers in the league, and yeah. uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I agree. I, every time you're throwing it to those great receivers, running backs, and all of that, you do have to do more. Yeah, you, you, you have to deal with more. Um, it's the same for Russell Wilson. He does the same thing, but he doesn't have that top flight wide receiver. True. Uh, but that we're going to end it off there, and uh, there will be plenty more great news in the world of sports. We're going to give you the best stories every week, and this has been So You Think You Know Sports. We're moving on to the questions, which is the last part. It's a little quick, fun part. Uh, when you test your knowledge about sports, Mahana comes up with the questions. I try to answer it, give you a little commentary, a little history if you can. Um, but we're going to go ahead and start with that first question. They're all multiple choice. You try to get them right also. Go with that first question, Mohammed. Who is the last quarterback to start for the Carolina Panthers before Cam Newton? A, Jimmy Clausen, B, Jake DeLome, or C, Matt Moore? Mm. I actually think this is a hard question. Like, the names are going to be familiar and everything, but it's about who was last the starter. So that, that does make it harder for me, even though we live in the Carolinas. Um, go ahead again with the question and answer. Who was the last quarterback to start for the Carolina Panthers before Cam Newton? A, Jimmy Clausen, B, Jake DeLome, or C, Matt Moore? I know it's not Jake DeLome. I know for a fact. Like, he's a pretty popularly known uh, quarterback for the Panthers. He took them to the Super Bowl one year against the Patriots, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not Jake DeLome. So I'm going to go and count him out. Uh, I know you said Matt Moore. Who was the other quarterback? Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen. I don't think it was Jimmy Clausen. That's wrong. It's Jimmy Clausen. Wow. I just didn't know. <laughs> I, for some reason, I just can't remember him being on the Panthers. Well, he's a nobody, so. <laughs> okay. That, that makes a lot of sense on why they drafted a quarterback uh, that year to get Cam Newton. He won the Heisman that year. Uh, so go ahead and go to the second uh, question there, Muhammad. What current NFL quarterback currently has the most consecutive starts? A, Tom Brady. B, Philip Rivers. Or C, Russell Wilson. Uh, that's another hard one. Starts. Oh. Consecutively. 
a consecutive starts. I, I, I have a good hint uh, just from looking back, but go ahead and give him the question and the answer again. What current NFL quarterback currently has the most consecutive starts? A, Tom Brady, B, Phillip Rivers, or C, Russell Wilson? All right. So I don't think it's Tom Brady because he got hurt one year, which knocked him out of that spot. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo also started for, I think that was that year, or at least one of a couple of years with, between that. So I'm going to count him out. Uh, Russell Wilson, only reason why I'm probably going to count him out is because he's younger than Philip Rivers, and I think Philip Rivers pretty much always plays. Um, so I'll say Philip Rivers. That is correct. Um, so he has no excuse for playing the way he just played. Oh, yeah, because they just lost to a team they did, were not supposed to lose to at all. Um, any betting person would not have chosen a third-string quarterback for the Steelers to win over the Chargers. Yes, and I'm moving to the third one. Which mm-hmm. of the following NBA players has the highest amount of games played over their career? A, Jamal Crawford. B, LeBron James, or C, Joe Johnson? Oh, this is a hard, hard question. Oh, man, this is a hard question. Um, hmm. I'm going to have to search my soul for this answer. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I really got to think this one through. Go ahead and say it again, Frog. Which of the following NBA players has the highest amount of games played over their career. A, Jamal Crawford, B, LeBron James, or C, Joe Johnson? Man. Like, I want to say Jamal Crawford, but I don't think it's him. I don't think it's LeBron either, even though he he's played a lot, a lot of games. I just think they, but all of them have a lot of high amount of games. And did you say started or just played? Just played. Okay, played. Um, God. I'm just, I really am going to search my soul and just pull out an answer on this one. I'll go with Joe Johnson. That's wrong. It's actually <sighs> Jamal Crawford. I'm, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, he, I know he, he, he stays on the bench quite often, but I, I just, I don't know much about Joe Johnson, and I just felt like you give out trick questions and I, simply because I don't know I wouldn't <laughs> know that he's played that many games, but I, I kind of knew it. Uh, oh well. Two, uh, one for three. It's, it's okay. Uh, we'll meet you next week with the best of the news of the world of sports, the most interesting stories, and this has been So You Think You Know Sports. Good night.